You want to be hardcore, you want to be extreme, well, if you're like the Sandman, then you're listening to the podcast Drunk Wrestling History, dudes, and please be drunk when you hear it. It's a drunk podcast. I can rim like a motherfucker. You already saw my Sullivan in San Diego. He got a golden shower. Bundy just fucking cream pied Albano. I've been drunk. I've never been cum drunk. Woo! What's up, drunk marks and drunk marquettes? Welcome to 205 Jive. I'm Adam. I'm your designated host, and they are the drunk wrestling historians. This is Eddie. Let us drink till thine asses are drunk. And this is Scott. Win if you can, lose if you must, but always drink. So glad to have them on here. They are dedicated to their craft, squeezing in episodes while they are going to see Metallica tonight. Just for all of you. For all of you. That's right. We thought about canceling the recording because we were like, oh, we got bigger and better things to do. But we were like, nope, this is how we'll pregame. You guys are bigger than Metallica. Tis the season of giving. And wrestling entertainment is what will be given. That's it. Uh, you got drinks and crap. Drinking. You've, you've peed and everything. Cool. Uh, yes. Right, right in our chairs. Because we don't move. Remember. We're dedicated. Uh, <laughs> GoFundMe for the Drunk Wrestling History Catheter. We are not yet at our goal. Please help us out. Help us out, you guys. Today's episode, we... Uh, we are celebrating the 30-year anniversary of one of the biggest moments in WWF history. Moments or heel turns, however uh, they want to classify it. But either way, this took place in the year of our Lord, 1992. This is the famous HBK heel turn on Marty Jannetty at the barbershop. Dude, how old does this make you feel that this is 30 years ago? Yeah, I watched this when it happened. Right. So today is January, uh, December 19th. This is Jan- January 11th, and I'll upload this around. I don't know what the day, you know, I don't know what day Friday is, but right around there with, you know, that week is when you're going to be here. It would be this. the 14th. Okay, the 14th. January 14th. I might put it up the week before. So okay. The 7th, I guess. Around yeah, the game. I like that. So whatever it is, you're going to be hearing this right around the 30th anniversary, which like, Dude, it's one of those things I remember it still to this day like it was yesterday. It's one of the most memorable things in my history of watching wrestling. So if I can put this in perspective. Please do. My oldest daughter turns 21 on the 15th of January. We'll be uploading this a week ahead of that. And I watched this when it happened on WWF Saturday at 10 a.m. Yeah. On Channel 2. Channel 2. KTVU. Yes, KTVU. This happened. I was watching it. It was incredible. This was the creation of the biggest superstar, arguably, in WWE history. You can argue Stone Cold is the greatest. You can argue Hulk Hogan is the greatest. A lot and of those would be would fair argue. arguments. They would be, absolutely. But others could argue that this is the creation of HBK, the biggest superstar in WWE history. Yeah, I don't think he was the biggest superstar by a mile, but he was the best. I wouldn't argue against somebody who said so, though. If somebody was mm-hmm. like, HBK is the biggest star WWE has ever created... You look at his WrestleMania resume. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't argue against it. 
You know what I mean? Like everybody can argue who their favorite WWE superstar is. And if somebody says HBK, how are you going to argue against that? Oh yeah. You know, I think, I don't think anybody has the body of work that he does. Right. So you can't really argue against somebody who says HBK is the biggest WWE superstar of all time. Yes, you can argue against it, but you can't say that they're wrong. Okay, you can't say they're wrong. I would say they're wrong, but I would oh, say, dude, but, come but, I would, on. but if anyone ever tells me they're the best, I would completely agree because I think he is the best of all time. But, he is, yes. But no, I mean, yes. I think that I think biggest you can kind of quantify. You know what I you mean? You mean in terms of money they brought in, money they drew, ratings, blah blah blah. And I don't think HBK is that guy at all. But he bridged the gap, right? Because he became champion in '96. I mean, there was a time where he was the top guy for sure, but it's oh, just yeah. overall in his in overall since since the first WrestleMania, you know. Okay, but like if he jumped era. ship during the NWO's heyday, well, that could have been the death of them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So okay, so there's arguments to be made. I guess in that sense, you could say that like he could have been like the deciding factor. Absolutely. Okay. If he jumped ship to the NWO and WCW, who knows what happens? Okay. Well, in a very very specific way. I guess you could maybe say he was the biggest of all time. He's on a small list yeah. of guys you could put on the list of the greatest of all time in the WWE. Yeah. So let's get into what happened. Um, so this is so late '91. Um, this is when they're legit backstage, not getting along. And we talked about this on the Marty. We did a Marty Janetti episode. Um, so you guys go back and listen to that. Marty the party. Marty the party. It was called. Um, so not too long before this is when Mar- <laughs> Marty had gone to the company and asked for their release and said that he had gotten him a better deal at WCW. Shit. And Sean was like, cool, okay, let's go. And then he finds out like Marty was full of shit. Oh, just kidding, guys. And then they had to go back and be like, hey, can we have our job back? <laughs> now, they had already been fired from WWF at this point. Right, once before, like immediately, like in 87, I think. Can I also point out, go ahead. the Hart Foundation were given a second title run. With the tag titles. Yeah. Over the Rockers. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's crazy that they were... Okay, so this is 90... Okay, so the Barbershop window happened January 92. Right. They showed up, so scratch 87, because they were only there a couple weeks. I think they right. only did one TV match. So 88, right? Like late 88. They came they in late their, 88 their, as a tag team. Yeah. So they were. They had a good three years, three-year run, being one of the top tag teams, being like a top two, three tag team, always, yes. always figured in. They were on every WrestleMania. I think they probably were on every pay-per-view. Right. And they had to be the most popular tag team. They never won the titles. So they were given the tag titles technically at one point. They were supposed to be given the tag titles over the Hart Foundation. There was that whole turnbuckle breaking incident that happened. They were stripped of the titles. It never happened. Yeah. That was before the age of the internet, of course. But somehow we knew. But somehow we knew. Thank you, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Yeah. Would you argue that that tag title win would have done more for the Rockers than it did for the Hart Foundation's legacy to win that second tag team title instead of the Rockers being given their first tag team title win. Yes, but I don't think, and probably the reason it didn't happen, because there were ways around that. They could have been like, oh, they wrestled a tournament in Rio over the weekend. (laughs) Rio. You know, shit like that. Rio, yes. Yeah, nobody would have ever known the difference. Or they could have just been like, they won in this match, but we're not going to air it on TV and say that it happened at a house show. Right. Um, But... Probably the thinking was they don't actually need the tag team titles. You know, sometimes you're just bigger. Like Andre was champion for a minute. You know, sometimes you're bigger than the championship. You don't really need it. They might have been, or maybe the company was thinking about it that way. They're so over. 
they're selling t-shirts or selling that poster that I had in my room next to my uh, Christina Applegate poster. Right. Um, they didn't really over. need them, I think. Your Christina Applegate poster. Over. Yeah, I put it right over it. Yeah, I pasted <laughs> over the Christina Applegate poster with Sean and Marty. Listeners, this is what he finished too <laughs> as a teenager. Oh, please. <laughs> so anyway, um, they're not getting along. So the, the, so the deal, so the idea from what I've heard is they were just sick of each other. So they were like, let's split them up. Right, but it was legitimate. It was legit. They Behind just, the scenes, leg- like the Hart Foundation was totally getting along. The Rockers fucking hated each other. Right. They were sick of each other. They had yes. had that fight in the hotel room, which we talked about on the Marty episode. But let's, like let's go a little bit further back because these guys were a tag team in the NWA and then into the AWA. It, yeah. Right. They were, they were a tag team in the Mid-South. They were a tag team in the AWA. They were champions on two separate occasions. Now they get to the WWF. They have a long run. Right. They hate each other at this point. They yeah. don't want to be on the road together anymore. They're done. This is probably the reason why they weren't given the WWF tag team titles. I mean, maybe, maybe it was just like they're kind of volatile. Like we don't know how long yes. they're gonna be here. They they were yes. always a, and Marty was always a problem. Like he wasn't the best person to put a title on in the first place. I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he proved that with the IC title. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. He, He's yeah. not the guy. Yeah. So the decision was made to split him up. So where do you do it? You do it on the barbershop. That yes. was the only talk show at the time. And a lot of angles were shot on the barbershop. Yep. So leading up to it, you had them just sort of, it was always in the ring, right? So you had, um, I remember one uh, when I knew they were done and I was young, right? I would have been 13 or something. You saw it coming. I saw it coming and it was kind of, at that point, I was sort of smart enough to wrestling where I was like, okay, I can see what's coming here. Right. Um, and it was really cool. They did a, uh, they had a jobber match. They wrestled some jobbers on either Saturday or Sunday morning. And I don't know if you remember this, but Sean never tagged out. <laughs> He just beat the team on oh, his own. Oh, he hot-shotted it. He yeah. Was just he just like, goes, fuck it, I'm going to take this shit. He went in there in like three, four minutes. He just won the match. Never tagged Marty. And Marty was like, well, fuck, man. <laughs> okay. And it was like, definitely from the get-go, Sean was the dick. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, he was the cocky fucking dude. They were clearly angling, like, who was going to be the face and who was going to be the heel. Yeah. When they ultimately made the split. Yeah. And then Sean gets a match against Flair. Yes. That was that was it. That was sort of when it got really serious. Yes. So Sean's out of the ring all fucked up. Like, he was, you know, Flair's kicking his ass, of course, because he's right, Flair. Right, because he's Flair. Um, and Flair would have had the, the WCW title at, the, at that point. Yes. Yeah. So he's outside of the ring. Marty comes out. And this might have been the first time. I thought the first time I ever saw someone in street clothes on wrestling was when Marty attacked Sean after the split up. But no, Marty came out in street clothes during this segment. Tossed Sean back in the ring to help him so he didn't get counted out. But he tossed him in just to get pinned. Just to get pinned. So, you know, of course, Sean's like, what the fuck, dude? You know? Yep. You cost me that match. And he acted like, dude, I totally was going to win. Even though it was clear he was not going to win. Yeah. Then kind of the next big thing was Survivor Series. Marty tossed Sean into one of those two idiots, uh, the Nasty Boys, and Sean got eliminated. So it's just little things like that, miscommunications. And then a mis- match against LOD, I believe. they He went up to slam one of them, and he hit HBK and knocked HBK down, and that cost the win. Right, and it's one of those things where there's no shame in losing to LOD, but it was a title right. match. because they were the, the tag team champions, and like, they, of course. And they got into an argument after about whose fault it was, and that right. was actually their last match on TV. That was it. Yeah, they were done uh, as far as, they had some house show matches after that, but that was it. Um, so then we get to January 11th, 92, with the, uh, the barbershop. Did you watch the segment? Did you go back and watch it? I know you didn't take any notes because you fucking really just like half-assed everything this uh, time around. I, w- I would like to say, for the record, these episodes that we're recording, 
as a wrestling historian, I don't believe that I need to rely on notes. <laughs> I can rely on my wrestling knowledge of watching it happen. And life and experience. That's true. I mean, yeah, you yeah. are at that level. Like Carl Sagan didn't bring out a science book every time he gave a uh, lesson on Cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> I can go off of my great memory for this. So Because Brut- I watched it happen. Brutus looked ridiculous as ever. At this point, he's got... Remember we talked about on the WrestleMania 4 episode where he's balding? Well, now he's got the completely like the horseshoe-shaped bald spots yes. on the side of his head. <laughs> yes. And he's got a mullet. Like it's a full... Or a skullet. You skullet. Know I mean? Yes, thank yeah. you. Right, he's got like a half inch t- uh, long on the top and about three feet in the back. And he's in like purple with like slices cut out of his legs. It looks like slices. He's got like tied up pieces on his spent on his legs. Yeah, it was fantastic. I'm sure he had a bag of uh, powdered aspirin in those tights. (laughs) (laughs) So right away, Sean's like to get to that venue. Sorry. (laughs) Right away, Sean's a smug fucking prick. Um, They're wearing the leather jackets. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And Sean's just kind of like. Well, Marty pointed out, which I forgot to mention that previously, there was a, a match where Sh- Marty was trying to tag Sean in, and Sean was like fucking around with the chick in the front row. Yeah, and they played the clip, and Sean was like, "What do you want, dude? Chicks dig me." <laughs> Just like an asshole about it. But did you ever believe that they were actually going to make up? I did. And be like, okay, the rockers are going to continue. This is going to be great. Well, I guess I did. I mean, I did because, like I said, I could see what was coming, but then, like, I was convinced because then you get a big swerve, right? Right. So. Sean, then they talk about, Sean was like, well, dude, I had a match with Flair, which by the way, you've never had a match with Flair. Yeah. And you fucked me over in that one. And then Marty was kind of like, you know what, dude, I'll take the blame for all this. I'll take the blame for the LOD match. You're right. I just want the team to work well. And he, you know, he apologizes and he says, I'm going to turn my back to you, Sean, and you do what you're going to do. You either walk away or, you know, we can carry on as a team. And he turns around and uh, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla are on commentary. And Heenan's like, he's like, Sean's not going anywhere. These two idiots need each other. And Sean turns him around and he hugs him. And it's like, oh, cool. And I totally bought into it. And I was like, oh, fuck. Because they were my favorite tag team, dude. I, was I like, agree. To me, it was like Hogan. And then the Rockers were like a very close second. Y- yes. Yes. As far as what was on TV back then. And then um, Heenan was like, see, I told you. One, <laughs> one's no good without the other. And then, boom. Super kick from Sean. And that happen. was a... And that was a stiff-ass super kick. Marty got his hand up, but his foot went right under Marty's hand. In his mouth. Right into his mouth. And Marty said it was a stiff super kick. Yep. And he actually said that um, that was Sean sort of getting back at him for that hotel room fight. Right. Um, yes. And of course, Heenum said, oh, I knew he was going to do that. I knew he was going to do <laughs> that. Said, I didn't, he doesn't need Janetti. I told you that. <laughs> this is why Heenum is the greatest ever. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, this is terrible. And then it only gets worse. And then that's when you get to the infamous spot. Sean picks him up. Go ahead. What are you going to say, Adam? Uh, I don't know if this was worse, but Janetti's wearing moon boots. <laughs> Jeans oh my God, that's tucked right. into it. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, know um, if it, I don't know if it was that uh, Sean didn't need him anymore or if he just had to punish him for that fashion sense. <laughs> he did deserve it. Yeah, that's your, he had it coming. Yeah, he was like in a red sweater or something too. I think. <laughs> um, so Sean picks him up, says something to him, like talks some shit. You can't see what he's saying, and tosses his ass right through that window, head first, boom, barbershop window. And then that's where you get, and it's the most famous swerve of all time, right? It's yeah, gotta be. I, I can't even argue with like you might say that Andre on Piper's Pit 
is the greatest swerve of all time, mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily be wrong. This is the most famous. This is the most famous. Um, Rollins swerving on the shield was a big one. Yes. But this Hogan is... Hogan joining NWO. Yeah. That, that's a good one. But, but, look, let's but argue this is that up there. Yeah. One of the greatest t-shirt companies of all time, Pro Wrestling Tees, originally was called... The Barbershop Window. The Barbershop Window. Yeah. They became a big thing based off of that name, which I would argue is the biggest swerve, as Eddie said, of all time. Yeah, it's Shawn so big. Michaels throwing Bar- uh, Marty Jannetty through that window. Yeah, and I watched an interview with Marty talking about it, and he was like, dude, like 20 years later, this old interview is like 20 years later, Later, people are still talking about this. Yeah. And who's going to be talking about John Cena in 20 years? Or who's going to be talking about this guy in 20 years? Like, this was that big of a deal. And here we are 30 years later, and sure, we're doing this episode because it's the 30th anniversary. But you know what? If it wasn't, if we were doing an episode, I'd still be talking about this today, probably. Yeah. And I think about the barbershop window incident like weekly. Right. And without this, is Shawn Michaels today the legend that he is in WWF history that he is? It's without hard. this, is he that guy? Yeah, it's hard to say because clearly they strapped a rocket to him. It was like, he's the guy. Yes, um, and it took he, some time. And he got off to a really hot start. Probably because I think just I think when you're that good, you're going to get to that level anyway. But look, know? it was four years before he became heavyweight champion. So it took some time. Right. They had to build him. Yeah. It took four years before he was that guy. And that's the way the company was set up at that point, too. Nobody besides Hogan came in and became champion in a year. Totally agree. But without this segment, without this incident in WWE history... Does HBK become that guy? I don't know. Yeah. This was genius Mm -hmm. to whoever scripted it, to whoever thought of it, because the Rockers were a big deal. They came out of the AWA. They had a hot string of matches with Buddy Rose, Doug Summers. They became AWA Tag Team Champions. They were in WWF for a minute, fired, went back to AWA, brought back, became a huge tag team in WWE history, were broken up, went on to Barbershop Window, and became one of the biggest angles ever in WWE history to where it's still talked about today. Totally. Yeah. Um, so Marty comes, falls out of the window, and he's bleeding. Now, he says that he legit got busted open by the glass. It's <laughs> fake glass, so I'm going to call... sugar. Yeah, I'm going to call bullshit on that. Bullshit. He, he, start, he started saying that it was, even if it wasn't actual glass, it was something... Thinner or something thinner than actual glass, but heavier than sugar glass. It was diamond. That's what he says. He said a few different things. So, okay, I wasn't going to get into that yet. He also said that after the spot, he talked to the production guys. They told him that they had three windows. One was real and two were sugar glass, but they weren't labeled. So they didn't know which was which. Shit. They didn't want to get in trouble. So they didn't say anything to anyone. So they just put one in and they figured we got a two and three chance of getting the right window. Uh, I'm calling bullshit on that because first of all, and I Googled this and I could not find it, but sugar glass has to weigh less, right? Yes. I would think it's got to weigh less. Yeah, right. So you'd have two that weigh the same, one that's heavier and you know the lighter ones are the sugar glass. They know which one is which. Come on. Also, if you're so afraid to get in trouble that you would risk putting a guy through real glass, you're not going to fucking rat yourself out after the fact. Right. You know, you take that shit to your grave. So I think Marty made that shit up. But he was bleeding. He was bleeding. I think he bladed himself because I think he bladed because he went through sugar glass and they knew exactly what the fuck he was going through. But it was kind of crazy because like now, well, not so much now, but you know, over time, blading was not you know was you saw it all the time. Back then, you didn't really see it much, right? And unlike that ref that didn't know how to blade against that one dude, (laughs) 
Hannibal. Marty knew how to blade. He was no rookie. Right, right. This was no Hannibal incident. <laughs> I was going to mention his name, but thank you. Yeah, that fucking moron. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. Well, Marty was doing the job himself. He wasn't going to let a fucking, you know, indie. <laughs> Hammenager. Yeah. Outlaw mud show moron. <laughs> Shout out to Jim Cornette. Love you, Jim. Probably just lost half of our subscribers. Um, but for, off the top of my head, at that point, the only people I'd seen bleed that I can think of was Brutus with the outlaw Ron Bassing, Flair in his match with Macho. Um, and Dusty with his eye. Um, well, in WWE. And oh. um, Hogan in his match with Sarge. Right. And I'm probably forgetting one or two, but I mean, that's how rare it was. So it was, I mean, this was the real deal. Yeah. Then at the end of it, as we go to commercial, we get to the part that was bad. There was a camera trained on the outside of the window. So you get to see Marty from the outside coming through the window head first. And at the time when I was a kid, I didn't think about it. Now that's the kind of thing that fucking kills me when I watch wrestling. Where it's like, why is there a camera outside the window? They were videotaping the outside of a window where nothing was going to happen. It doesn't make any sense. And it's one of those things where Vince McMahon says, we make movies. No, stop it. Don't do that shit. It's just like when Triple H went and threw Randy Orton out of the living room window. And there was a camera train right on the living room window. It doesn't make sense. Or The Rock, when Mick Foley dropped that forklift on him or whatever. And you can see like the camera is where the Rock's face would be. I hate when they do that. It's my biggest pet peeve in WWE in particular, but wrestling in general. That kind of, luckily I was a kid, so I didn't think about it. Now I would be like, this segment fucking sucks. Yeah. Like I would bury it if they did it now. Right. So it wasn't perfect. It did have that flaw. But overall, it was the greatest segment. It had to be the greatest segment in like that era, right? Like the early, say from 90 to 95. Well, here we are 30 years later 30 still years talking like, about it. What else can you think of the, an, an angle they shot at that point? Nothing. Uh, earthquake, uh, earthquake uh, squishing the snake. Well, because look, we're talking, ultimately we're talking about a mid-card tag team. Yeah. Splitting up. Why mm-hmm. is that a big deal? Because of the big deal that HBK became. Yeah. This made him. Yeah, totally. This totally made, and, and unfortunately, at the expense of Marty Jannetty, who, who coincidentally, much like the Ryback Roast episode, we had an excellent episode about <laughs> Marty Jannetty. Yeah, if you hadn't heard. If you hadn't heard. <laughs> this made Shawn Michaels. Totally. Into the superstar that he became. You hated the motherfucker. Uh, dude. Look, even in 96, when he beat Brett at WrestleMania 12. Mm-hmm. This made Shawn Michaels who he was. Yeah. This all needed to happen to produce that superstar. Arguably one of the best in WWE of all time. Totally. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting that Marty was the heel in real life, but they made Shawn the heel. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like Marty ruined the team. He really did. With his shenanigans. Yeah, he really did. Um, And I thought it was kind of cool. I watched an interview with Marty, and he was saying that he doesn't really mind when people refer to someone as the Marty of the team. Because he said he thinks of himself as the guy who taught a lot of people. Because he was the veteran of the team between him and Sean. You know, he Hmm. was wrestling before Sean. He's not wrong. Um, So he listed Sean, Al Snow, Billy Gunn, X-Pac, and Bob Holly just as like a few he tossed out as guys that he teamed with was the veteran of the team, and those were guys who ended up being bigger stars than he was. Hmm. So he said he thinks, and I guess it's him, like, I guess that's the he's way he's just, he just trying to attach his name to stars. Well, I guess that's kind of, I mean, that just um, gives him peace. You know what I mean? To be like, no, I didn't have a shitty career. I helped these other guys with their career. 
you know. Hmm. Okay. And um, also, Beefcake um, said, a, uh, drunk fact, Beefcake said that Sean stole his clothes and stole, quote, stuff from Hogan. Okay. So that's where Sean got his clothes from, from Beefcake. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Stop it. Right fucking now. (laughs) Stop it. Hey, that's old school wrestling, brother. Dude. (laughs) Hogan did it first, brother. (laughs) Sean stole nothing from Hogan. Let me say that right now. They all stand on their own. (laughs) God damn it, Beefcake. Beefcake. You son of a bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what he stole from you know what he stole from Beefcake? His powdered aspirin. (laughs) (laughs) He did have a bad back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he stole Hogan's shitty attitude. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And I think that kind of wraps up the uh, barbershop window. Um, happy 30th anniversary to the greatest angle of all time. Look, and let me just point out, WWE destroyed something that the AWA created. Mm-hmm. Which Vince loved. That's that's his thing. That's really his thing. Let's fucking blow up something that somebody else created. The Midnight Rockers were an AWA thing. Vince said, fuck you. I'm destroying possibly your greatest tag team of all time. I'm going to break them up on WWE television and make a single star out of the biggest star of your tag team. Yeah. Vince that was a huge gamble. middle finger by Vince. I love it. That's true. That's well, that's baller. Well, that's kind of what Vince would do too, though, because you could say the same thing about Hogan. They brought in Hogan, the guy that yes. they would never make champ, and yes. made him champ and had the biggest star of all time. Of all time. Then they took the guy that WCW fired while he was hurt and made him the next biggest star of all time. Love it. You know? So, yes. like, that's, yeah, like, I don't want to turn this into a suck Vince's dick episode. But it kind of is. But you it could. It leans into it, right? I could suck Vince's dick all night. Right. Hey, Vern, Jim Hurd, suck it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And on that note, let's take it home, Adam. That and that would be uh, Sean's line in the in the DX uh, monologues. Suck it. That takes care <laughs> of the barbershop, uh, the infamous barbershop uh, heel turn, one of the biggest heel turns of all time, one of the biggest occurrences of all time. Where were you when you uh, watched this go down? How did you feel about it? Please let us know on the social media platforms. Please like, rate. Uh, and subscribe and share on all the podcasting platforms. We'd definitely love to have more Drunk Marks and Drunk Mark fans joining our Drunk Wrestling community. Uh, On that note, with uh, Eddie and Scott, I'm Adam just reminding you to enjoy your buzz, watch wrestling responsibly, drink like nobody's watching, and we will see you all next time for another great episode. One, two, three, great. See y'all. Dive. Suck it, Vern. But it's boiling inside of my veins